0: be glorified in this room, in this place, Lord. Have your way. In your son's name we pray, amen, amen. If you could do me a favor, if you could please direct your attention to the screen. Y'all may be seated. We've got a special Father's Day with you. I
1: don't care how late you stay out. Stay out as late as you want. You wanna borrow the new car? You wanna borrow my credit card? Kids today, they really have it rough. I have no idea where we are or where we're going. I mean, when I was their age, life was easy, super easy. Why haven't you gotten a tattoo yet? How come you don't have any piercings yet? Yep, we're lost. We are completely lost. Ew, sports. Just do whatever the mechanic says to do. Vehicle maintenance is completely overrated. Look, whatever the mechanic is asking, just pay him. Pay him whatever he wants. I wish they had soap operas at night. I like that boy. You should date him. You should date him immediately. What about the creepy guy with the motorcycle? He's cute. Yeah, sure, spring break in Tahiti sounds fun. Hey, make sure you get all your video games done before you start your homework. You don't have to pass all your classes. What? You have a project due tomorrow and you've known about it for four weeks and you haven't started yet? Sweet. Doesn't anybody want to know if we're there yet? Remember, if you need anything between midnight and 4 a.m., please come wake me up. Hey, I'm on the phone. Could you bring the baby over and let him climb all over me? Hey, hey, can you please turn that music up? Well, we just stopped for lunch 10 minutes ago, but yeah, let's stop again. I never have trouble with my toddler. I never have trouble with my teenagers. I never have trouble with my adult children. You know, she's right. We are ruining her life. Yes. More homework to correct. All right, whining. Yay, tantrums. (laughs) Hmm, vomit. We just really need to spoil these kids more. Sorry, buddy. I don't know any good jokes at all. You're 16. You pretty much know everything now. I think 18 is a great age to get married. Okay, remember, make sure you turn on all the lights before you leave the house. Hey, could you leave the front door open for a couple hours? Thanks. money really does grow on trees.
2: Well, I don't know about you, but that's probably some things I've never said ever in my life. Pay the mechanic whatever he wants. Yeah, right. If, you're, if your dad is here today or whatever, I just, take, just take a moment and, and put your hand on him. We just want to pray this morning. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for um, uh, the day to celebrate, dads, and... Uh, God, really, for us as Christians, what that means, and uh, as as fathers, what that means, God, that we would uh, follow you first. God, I thank you for the fathers in this room. I thank you for their opportunity to raise their kids up. God, I pray for those in here who may not have a father or their father is not in the picture or already gone home to be with you. God, that above all that you are our Heavenly Father. And that you are the perfect picture of that. God, and in a, in a time of difficult decisions, you chose to send your Son to die on a cross for us. So I pray that we as fathers will, again, seek you first. And be able to lead our families well, to lead our children well. We thank you for the opportunity to celebrate fathers today. Give them strength and purpose. Remind them that you are with them. And if we reach to you, you'll make us good fathers because of who you are. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Good morning, so this morning we will be continuing our series in Hebrews, Um, and we're talking about heroes, and that's kind of the the series we're in is heroes, and uh, a couple weeks ago I I spent a little time talking about um, superheroes as far as movies go and, and Marvel, and you know, I didn't have too many people argue that Captain America was not the best one, but I had a couple that I had to deal with. Lovingly, lovingly, Um, uh, but the truth of the matter is, outside of movies, heroes are a relative thing in our world. Most of the time, they're probably self-proclaimed heroes or self-risen heroes, and in a day of uh, YouTube stars, and that you have such influence as a YouTube star that you make millions of dollars with videos. I must be really old, because that just sounds very strange to me, right? I mean, that just is... And yet, these are the heroes, unfortunately, that we often live with, right? We even have difficulty with, with spiritual heroes at times. In a day where we kind of have the superstar pastor at times, right? The celebrity pastor. And our ideas of heroes, I think, are very skewed. And so that's kind of the, the point of the summer, is to start looking at what does God see as heroes of the faith, and, um, sorry about that. Because of, because of our series, I've decided to grow this beard to try to really be part of this, right? I mean, come, this is probably what Enoch started to look like, but Abraham, they kind of had the beard and kind of looked a little more stately. I mean, again, I could be very wrong, and they had great razors and husbands who forced them, or wives that forced them to shave, but... I'm going I'm to go with this on, on this one. But yet the Bible talks about like the greatest heroes that the Bible talks about are the human means by which he uses to change people forever, right? These are people that he uses instruments to bring people into his kingdom and to bring glory to himself. Those are the heroes that he talks about in the Bible. Usually... Unlike the world we live in, they're usually pretty unexpected. They're not self-reliant. There's usually nothing special about them, right? And yet, because of their faith, because of how they lived, God used them to accomplish his purposes and accomplish his ends, right? And so, in walks Enoch. So last week, we talked about Abel. You know, and in some ways, Abel may be a little more popular story than Enoch. You know, I mean, you have brother against brother, right? You have this battle royale of fruits and meat. And let's be honest, which one is going to win out every time? I won't say it. But right, we have that story, and even as a kid. And yet here we have Enoch. And the only thing I really remember as a kid when we, about Enoch was his dad's name was, does anybody know? His dad's name was Jared. All right, so Enoch, his father's name was Jared. And if you don't know me, that is my name. And so always as a kid, I was like, oh, Enoch, yeah, I know his dad's name was Jared. What, you tell me about Enoch? Well, you're, his dad's name was Jared. And so as a kid, that's what I remember. And so we're going to dive into the life of Enoch because I think it's a, it's, a, it's a man of God that is amazingly powerful, and yet there is very little that we know about him in the Bible. And yet, I think his life is amazingly powerful. So we're going to start in Hebrews 11, where our our summer series is. And we're going to look at verse 5 and 6 to start with. And it says, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we have the opportunity to study these words. God, and I pray that as we look at these this morning, God, that you would cover me, hide me behind your cross, and that we would hear your words. God, that you've given these to us for a purpose, that we would come into this this place expecting you to speak to us, expecting to hear from you. And God, in a day and time where your words should resonate with us more than ever, strengthen us this morning, encourage us this morning, we pray that the life of Enoch would be Something that we can take with us and begin to strive after because of his walk with you. In your name we pray. Amen. So, if we're really going to start looking at Enoch, the first thing we need to do is go all the way back almost to the beginning, right? Almost to the beginning of the whole Bible. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 5. All right, so there's a lot that took place in the first few chapters of Genesis, and this is one of those things. So not long after creation, a few hundred years before the flood, we have chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 21 through 24, and this is one of the few passages we have of Enoch. He's, he's mentioned here, he's mentioned two other obscure times in the Old Testament, and then he's also mentioned in the book of Jude, which we'll get to later on. So verse 21 says, And Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So as you read through chapter 5, it starts with a very long genealogy. And I know if you read any part of the Old Testament, a lot of times what we do is we read, we get to a genealogy and we're like, okay, where does this stop so I can pick up where it left off, right? You read a lot of difficult names and a lot of difficult, you think this is going to go on forever. Yes, I get it. People lived and they died. Well, Enoch is different because he breaks the pattern, right? He breaks this pattern of this genealogy. So if you look, verse 11, So all the days of Enoch were 905 years, and he died. Verse 14. So all the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. Verse 20. So all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he what? He died. Then you get to Enoch. Verse 24. He was not, for God took him. So he clearly breaks this pattern, right? You have all of these men lived all of these years, and they died. You have Enoch, who, let's be honest, when you look at these numbers, was taken as a pretty young man. You know, his father lived over 900 years. His son was the oldest man in the Bible at 969. I mean, at 365, I mean, you're just just getting started, right? And yet he broke the pattern. He didn't die. God took him. He was no more, right? And to me, the Bible, when the Bible breaks a pattern, I think it's pretty important that we really, we really dig in because there's a reason that the pattern breaks. And so we have Enoch. One day he was walking with God, it says, and essentially he just walked home. God took him home. There's only one other person in the Bible that's taken this way, and it's Elijah in 2 Kings. And he's taken in a chariot of fire. All right? I'm not sure what would be better, just walking to heaven or on a chariot of fire. I don't know if Enoch felt gypped when Elijah went off in a chariot. But still pretty cool, right? To not taste death. To not be marked by death. And so I guess the question for us is this morning, if somebody asked you, if you walked with God, what would your answer be? And if it were yes, and they ask you, what does that look like to walk with God? What would be our answer? What would be our answer to what it looked like to walk with God? And that was Enoch. He was marked by that. Two times in those verses, it says Enoch walked with God. I'm not sure there's any more of an important mark on our lives than to know we walked with God. And so we're going to take five different lessons from Enoch here, okay? We have two that kind of lead up to this walk with God and kind of the things that have to be in place for that to happen. And then we have the two things kind of after he walked with God, what were some of those results? What were some of the things that happened because of Enoch's walk with God? So the first thing is going to be all the way back in Hebrews. I'm sorry, I know there's a big chunk of Bible. You have to keep flipping back and forth, but we should be in Hebrews for most of the time at least here. Verse 6, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. That's the first thing. We have Enoch believed the true God. He believed in the one true God. Right? For he who comes to God must believe that he is the true God. So if we're going to come to God, we have to trust and believe that he is who he says he is. And Enoch was that exact thing, right? He believed in the one true God, and for us, that is a God, Father, Son, and Spirit, right? There is a true God, one God, three distinct entities, Father, Son, and Spirit. It's funny, because often we talk about God, right, as He's true, and yet our life looks very different than that actual action. I mean, that's why the Bible talks about we sin in private. Why? Because we think we're hiding something, Right? Whenever you screw up or you do something, you're looking around to make sure nobody saw it. And I can just picture, I can picture God up there after we screw up and he's like, hey, I don't, you remember I'm here, right? I'm kind of all over the place and all knowing and I, I got all that stuff. I'm standing right here. And usually we forget about the one person we, we believe knows all and sees all. And yet we still think we can hide it, right? That's Adam. I mean, this is the guy who just created everything, and Adam's like, man, we got to hide this. Right? Well, if we just hide, God won't, he won't know. And yet, this is how we live our lives. So the question is, what kind of belief do we really have? Right? The basis right here, the basis of pleasing God first has to come first, but believing in the true God. And that means that's not what we think it is. It's what the Bible tells us he is. That's who God is. So if we're to know God, we have to know his word. We have to believe the God of this, which is sometimes difficult, right? You read parts of the Bible and you're like, man, I, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> this is the God, Right? This is the foundation of our faith, right? It says, without faith, it is possible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. The foundation, remember we talked about faith, right? Our idea of faith, what we, what, how we live our lives is directly tied to what we believe about God. So remember, faith has to be about the subject in which we place our faith. So for us to live by faith, again, we have to know this God. And how we live our lives is directly tied to what we know about God. And this was Enoch. He believed in this true God. It's the first and foremost thing, because it's what's going to fuel everything else about his life. It's because he knew this God, and he believed this God. Second thing he did is he sought God's reward. Again, he believed in the one true God, and because he believed God, he believed God was a rewarder of those who seek him. Which again, when we talked about back in chapter 10 of Hebrews, and we looked at those verses and said, my righteous one shall live by faith. Which means God rewards those who seek righteousness and holiness, those are he rewards. Those are who he rewards, is those who seek righteousness, right? To seek a relationship with God means to seek righteousness and to seek holiness and to seek purity. When we are seeking those things, we are not being self-righteous, we're being godly righteous. The world sees it very differently than God does. And we have to believe God over the world. So let's look at Psalm 58, 11 says, And men will say, surely there is a reward for the righteous. Surely there is a God who judges on earth. Proverbs eleven eighteen: 18, The wicked earns deceptive wages, but he who sows righteousness gets a true reward. So again, to seek God means to seek righteousness. And that was Enoch. He believed in a moral and a holy God. And Enoch understood one thing. The most righteous thing that we as humans can do is to seek a relationship with a holy God. That should be the mark of our life, is that we are seeking God all the time. He sought Him. Why? Because he believed Him. He believed that He was true, and he believed He would reward Him because of his, his seeking of God. Right? So again, you have he believed the true God, he sought God's reward. And kind of the third one we get to is kind of the earmark of his life, which is he walked with God. Again, it says it two times right there in Genesis, that he walked with God. And there are a couple things that we need to understand about walking with God that needs to line up with our walk with God as it did with Enoch. And the first thing is there has to be a reconciliation. And for us in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, is through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is who reconciles us to God. And that is to believe the gospel. To believe that Jesus was sent by God, born of a virgin, lived the perfect life that we could not live. He died on a cross for us in our place and he rose again on the third day to prove he was who he said he was if we do not believe that is the gospel we do not believe that his death on the cross covers our sins and reconciles us to god we don't believe the gospel and so our reconciliation if we are to walk with god it means jesus christ has to play the main part He's we are reconciled to him. If we walked with God, we should remember a time where God reconciled us to him through Jesus Christ. Right? That is something that is so important in this journey. It says this in Ephesians four, seventeen through eighteen, it says this So I so this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you no longer, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walked in the futility of their mind. So, like, he uses the same language here that we're talking about, is that he walked, right? They no longer walk the way they used to walk. They now walk the way God calls them to walk. There's a very big difference. When we are reconciled to God, we're no longer living this way. We now are free to live this way. Before, we had no choice, right? We didn't know this is how we lived. We didn't have a choice. When we are reconciled to God, we now have a choice. Are we going to live by the Spirit, or are we going to continue to live by the flesh? Are we going to continue to choose the wrong thing, or are we going to live by God and choose what we are now free to choose? We're now free to do what is right. He goes on to say, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. When we are reconciled to God, we are no longer excluded from Him we are reconciled to him. So when we walked with God, we are no longer excluded from the things of God. We are included in those things. The next thing that kind of walks with God that marks Enoch is a corresponding nature. Light has no communion with darkness. And just as apart from the reconciliation of Jesus, we have no communion with God. Therefore, any of us, any sinner left in his sin cannot know God. Cannot be in communion with God. It means we forsake our sin. We don't live perfect lives. I don't know about you, but I have tried to be perfect, and it just doesn't work. We pursue righteousness. This is not the perfect life. But it does mean when we sin, we turn from our sin. I think it's, we, we kind of we do this, or we kind of, and God doesn't say go around our sin, right? He means we turn from it. Like, it's a pretty powerful picture. It's a pretty powerful image that we forsake sin. The next thing, so we kind of have the reconciliation. We have this corresponding nature with God now, right? We share a nature with God. And because of that, we surrender to his will. So we have this idea of obedience, that we surrender to his will. And this seems to be one of the more difficult things for us to handle as humans, right? We can understand, oh, we believe God, we believe the gospel. And yet the obedience is the difficult part. And yet that's exactly what Enoch did. He surrendered to God's will. As we're going to read about a little bit later, in difficult times, he surrendered to God's will and obeyed God's will. Not when things were easy. Again, this came after creation, but before the flood. And as we build up to the flood, you guys remember the flood, right? Seemed to be pretty difficult days for God to say, wipe it clean. So he obeyed God. Now, I will say, as Christians, our choice to obey God should be very easy. We should not struggle with that choice as Christians If we believe in the true God and we believe he is who he says. Now, sometimes the walking that way is difficult. The sanctification process is, okay, I believe you, God, and I'm obeying you. I don't see how it's going to happen. And God says, let me handle that. The next thing, Enoch, walking with God, man, is he wanted to be with God. This is one of the more convicting points for me because at times I'll wake up I'll get ready for work, and I work at a church, and this is so, this should, and I'll get to lunchtime, and I'll think, "Man, I'm one time, talk to God this morning, (laughs) and you think, why do I not want to be with God more? It goes back for me, tied to what do I know about God, and how do I seek him more? That way, when I wake up in the morning, it's the first thing on my mind. He's the first thing that comes out of my mouth. And this was Enoch. He wanted to be with God. He wanted to commune with God. And so, we kind of come to our last two points. So, he kind of he believed the true God. He sought God's reward. Which kind of allowed him to walk with God. That was his earmark. And then we take two things that are kind of huge points for, for us to take from Enoch after he was walking with God. And the first thing is he set an example, which I think is a good point for Father's Day today. Is He set an example. Now, as we look on in that genealogy, you're going to see that the great-grandson of Enoch's, his name was Noah. And it says about, I won't steal Noah because we'll be dealing with him soon. But he says in Genesis 6, 8-9, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. So all of a sudden, we see Enoch's example showing up in the life of Noah. Enoch may have done very little during his time. We don't know everything. And yet his example is screaming loud and clear in the life of Noah. I mean, clearly we see Noah was a single man and family that walked with God. And so we have this example showing up. And as fathers, and as, as really as families, we will never have the greater, the, a greater opportunity to make disciples than the ones growing up in our own homes. If we are not making disciples of those growing in our homes, we're probably not making disciples of those outside of our homes. It's, it's got to be the model. My dad, my whole life, two things that God ordains, the church and the family. My whole life he said it to me. And it's funny because those two things are amazingly tied together. And we start to see it, right? We look at these genealogies and you start to read them and you think they're so boring. And yet what they are is a testament to the line of the message of the gospel, right? All of these things start to line up. Their examples are lived out. And again, these genealogies, they're not over like 50 years. These guys lived 900 years. Year after year after year. Again, Enoch was young at 365 I pray I can live 75 years following Jesus. This guy, 300 years. It's funny because I look at my kids a lot. And right now I really look at them and I I see them playing. And I look and I think, I find myself wishing that they would be able to grow up in a world that I grew up in. And think, oh, they're going to miss out. They're going to miss out. And then God stabs me in the heart and says, how about you prepare them for the world that I have for them? Instead of wishing for something that you had. Instead of wishing comfort on their lives, how about we prepare them for the world that we're in now? Man, if we do that, we don't live in fear. Why? Because we're doing what God called us to do. And I want my kids to be used by the gospel. I want my kids to be prepared to be used by God, whatever that looks like. And that's where we need to be. Not living in fear for what we don't have, but preparing our children, preparing our families, preparing our, each other for the world that we live in. And to realize that God hasn't walked away. The examples are screaming out to us from people who lived in pretty dark times too. And we're going to get to the fifth point here, which is a difficult one. And it says, he preached the word of God. We're going to get into some biblical and Jewish history here. All right, and so I won't try to drag you too deep into it. But we're going to look at the book of Jude. All right, little tiny epistle, book of Jude, just before the end of the Bible. It's only got one chapter in the whole book. It's 25 verses long. And we're going to look at verses 14 and 15 says, and about these, and we'll get to who these are in a moment, because that's going to paint our picture. Also Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds, which they have done in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So the first thing that I like about the Bible is it's amazingly thorough. And so you take Jude here, writing this, and he says in, their, in the seventh generation, so there were other Enoch's. If you look back in that genealogy, there's more than one Enoch. And what Jude is saying is, I'm not talking about that Enoch, I'm talking about this one. I'm talking about the Enoch that walked with God. And then he's about to quote Enoch. Now, again, it's very interesting because when you look at this quote, it's not found anywhere else in the Bible. And there's a lot of debate and speculation on exactly where this quote is from. Most people would fall into the camp that it's from the book of Enoch or Enoch, his direct quote. A lot of people would argue that Jude is... The biggest thing about Jude is that the, these that he's talking about are false teachers, false prophets. And they're running rampant at this point and they're, they're multiplying quickly. And so, back then, these guys may have even used the book of Enoch to try to prove their point. And the fact that Jude is using the book of Enoch to kind of say, hey, but what about this? And so, this is a quote from Enoch. So, listen to me very carefully. This is, this is not a, a biblical canon discussion. This is just Jude using this quote, okay, to battle and to prove... Against these false teachers. And it really points, it's the only little information we have about Enoch in the Bible of what he was up against and of what kind of his life looked like and what he was doing at the time. And so that's, that's what we're going to get into here. So when we look at this quote, verse 15 says, to execute judgment upon all, to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds, which they have done in an ungodly way. And of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. He uses the term ungodly four times. Enoch is preaching a very unpopular message of judgment to a bunch of people who probably didn't want to listen. This is a guy who is teaching against the grain of his society. He had nothing, almost nothing in common with his generation. Like, everything about Enoch's life is so far removed from the world. Even to the point that God took him. We're going to look at a verse in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, says this. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. The Bible speaks often to us being aliens and strangers in this place. And if our lives do not look differently than the world's, we have a problem. I love what Joe said last week. You could, you could tell the gospel to lost people all you want to. If your life has not moved from this to this... If it is not changed from a sinful walk to one of the Spirit, you're, you might as well go fishing. Sunday mornings, just go fishing. My dad used to say that. Anybody not committed, just get a boat and go fishing. And I started to believe it more, right? If our lives are not changed by the gospel, if we really don't look different, it's not going to matter. Man, and this was Enoch's message. He lived in a dark and vile world. Does that remind you of anywhere we might live? And yet, this is what we learned about Enoch. We learned five things from Enoch to believe in the true God, to believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him and therefore seek righteousness, to walk with God. And from those things, to set an example for those around us and those after us. And to proclaim the message of God and his kingdom. These are things that we need to take from Enoch. And then he walked to heaven. That sounds like quite a gift, quite a reward. And you think, well, why did God do this for Enoch? Why would Enoch get to walk home and I don't get to walk home? And again, just like Joe talked about last week, Abel died a difficult death at a young age. We don't pick the time and the place when God takes us, but we can decide how we're going to be living our lives when he calls us. And Enoch becomes an illustration for us to follow. It's the perfect, it's this great example of a guy who lived in a difficult time and place, He lived totally contrary to his culture, and he preached an unpopular message. Because granted, we have a very good message of Jesus Christ to preach and to teach, of love and of all of these things, but there is also a day when he will come back, and he will take us that know him, and those who don't will be judged. So don't get the messages mixed up. We have the good news and that's what we should be taking. But there is a message of judgment coming. And the question is, what will we be known for when God calls us? When God calls us home, whatever that looks like, whatever day that is, what will we be known for? What will our children remember we taught them? And I refuse to lay my, bed, my head to bed at night without making sure they know what the gospel is. And I think we should be that way as the church. That we are sharing the gospel, that it's always on our tongue, that our lives live in such a way that the gospel just presents itself in conversations. And even to a world that doesn't want to hear it, that we have to obey God. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to hear from your word. I thank you for the life of Enoch. And for what little we know about Enoch, we know that he was a man who sought after God and sought after righteousness. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't simple. The world was a difficult place, just as it is now. God, remind us that you have not walked away. You have not forgotten us. On the contrary, I think you're calling us closer to you. You're calling us to a deeper relationship and walk with you. You're calling us to share your love more and to share your message more. God, as your word says, draw close to him and he'll draw close to us. I pray that we would take that seriously. We would draw close to you. That we would seek righteousness. That we would walk with you. I thank you for this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. I just got a few things for you all before we head out today. Uh, If you have an offering, uh, we're not collecting uh, offerings this morning, but if you have an offering that you'd like to give, um, there's some baskets on the way out, um, boxes on the way out. We ask you to drop it off there or give online at tsf-church.com or on the church center app. It's um, a reminder to keep registering. It helps us keep track of everyone that's coming and make sure that we have enough adequate seating. Uh, just want to get this on y'all's radar. VBS um, is coming in late July. We're, we're doing it a little differently this year uh, because of just everything that's going on. We're going to have backyard uh, Bible clubs um, at people's homes. And so if you'd like to host a Backyard Bible Club for your neighbors, um, a Backyard VBS, um, we'll have all the supplies. I mean, there'll be videos, and it's going to be a really great a great thing, but we need you to, to let us know. Email us at info.tsf-church. And let us know that you'd be willing to host, or if you want to volunteer and serve for that, also, friends of North Richmond, food drive and volunteering is still happening. Uh, sign up. I think we got all the slots filled last week, last minute. Uh, it's important that you all sign up. starts on Wednesdays, um, the opportunities to serve. And uh, I've taken my college students out there pretty regularly. Um, and our church has been a great blessing to our friends at North Richmond. So uh, sign up and then bring some canned food in the garden center uh, daily um, here. And then last thing, the women's Bible study starts this week, and then the men's Bible study is starting um, July 1st, I believe. So just make sure you sign up. It's going to be great. They're great studies, um, and we really looking forward to them. Um, fathers, happy Father's Day to everybody. Go eat some brisket and uh, watch some, I don't know, rerun, I don't know, <laughs> rerun football games or whatever. And uh, y'all have a great, great day. We love y'all. See y'all next Sunday.